0: Mary talks to Maria Lodge about physical therapy, yoga, and Reiki. And today in the Blanket Fort, we talk about the good and bad sides of wellness. All this and more on The Lux I'm Wendy Sheridan and you are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation.
1: Hi, I'm Robin Renee. Hi, I'm Mary McGinley. Welcome, welcome. We're trying something new this time. We're going to keep it brief, but we're also going to throw at you some random facts. So the first thing I'm going to be brief about is that (laughs) this month is February and it is Black History Month. We celebrate that. Yay.
2: Yes, very, very cool. I've been listening to Jaleesa Johnson's show, which is the Racial Maddow Show uh, podcast. (laughs) That's a great name. (laughs) Yes. And she's been, she's got a couple of episodes out. She said this is, this is the year that she really wants to delve into Black history. And she's doing hashtag Black History Year. And she's going to, you know, look at it not just one month, but all year long. And she's got some good, some good things. She started out in January with some things about Martin Luther King and, um, some people surrounded him and um, his work. So it's it's pretty cool. And cool. Uh, yeah, I'm enjoying listening to those podcasts. So what else is happening?
0: Well, you're the second random fact.
2: I am the second random <laughs> fact. That's right. And today is Trayvon Martin's birthday. He's obviously remembered. It's important to remember to say the names of people mm-hmm. who have been killed in these ridiculous, senseless ways. And I was just looking at an article that came out um, two years ago, and it was a code switch show on NPR, actually, but they were talking about a documentary called Rest in Power that was about him and, you know, some of the activism that's happened as a result. And I just wanted to read a little bit about that. His parents, Tracy Martin and Sabrina Fulton, were determined some good would come of their son's death shortly after the trial. They established the Trayvon Martin Foundation, which is dedicated to helping parents and families that have lost children to gun violence. And they speak out frequently against Stand Your Ground laws. The series, which is the TV show documentary I was talking about, uh, links Martin's death and the trial with the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement, which soon became a national force. When people push back and ask why all lives matter, all lives shouldn't matter, Sabrina Fulton has a ready response. It's not taking away from anybody else's life, she says. It's just putting emphasis on Black lives because Black lives seem so disposable. Fulton says she is heartened by the activists of all races um, who supported them during the trial and still advocate for justice for others who don't look like them. We didn't get into the situation with just African-Americans, and we're not going to get out of the situation with just African-Americans, she insists. I think all races understand it's not about civil rights, it's about human rights. So I really like that because they're talking about the importance of saying Black Lives Matter and and the importance of not backing down from that, but also recognizing that all of us have a part to play in making things better and working toward, you know, more equality and less supremacy, which is what we're working with now, you know, so I thought that was an important way to remember him.
0: Cool. Cool. Excellent. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And the third random fact is Krypton is a chemical element with the symbol KR and the atomic number 36. It is a colorless, odorless, tasteless, noble gas that occurs in trace amounts in the atmosphere and is often used with other rare gases in fluorescent lamps. And I just want to throw out a noble gas is called that because everything in that the far right column of the periodic table which the top one is helium and the bottom one is xenon, none of those will react with any other elements. And that's what makes it a noble gas. And there are your random facts for today. So we are so glad you're
2: listening to us and just want to let you know that if you dig our show, it is really a big help for you to, you know, let other people know. So one way to do that uh, is to like us on Facebook. So please, please let your folks know you like us and go over to Facebook yourself and meet us and click on facebook.com slash leftscape and hit like. Thanks so much.
1: Coming up in a little bit, we'll have an interview that I did with Reiki master and yoga teacher and physical therapist Maria Lodge. She's a person who is a force to be reckoned with.
0: This is our first show back in uh, since tw- the year turned over. We took uh, a month off to to uh, retool our a few things and to and to work on some behind the scenes stuff. And this is a census year and that is incredibly important. Uh, I know there are, jobs available for people who need jobs. They're they're hiring a whole lot of people to work for the census. I know one of my friends was very happy to have gotten, I think, a, a manager role in his local community in California. And I know that, that there are a lot of uh, activists in our area that are turning their attention to the census to make sure everybody is counted. Uh, it's it's incredibly important. The census determines how many uh, representatives you get in, in the House of Representatives. It determines how much money the states get for a lot of social programs and stuff like that. And we want to make sure that everybody, whether they're a citizen or not, whether they're here, you know, according to proper paperwork or not, are counted because it's important to know who's here, and I believe that the Supreme Court struck down Trump's requested uh, citizenship question. So that's not going to be on the census,
2: right? Yeah, I know. And a lot of people were it back from were... so didn't well, succeed.
0: So yeah, and it'll and in, and it will, uh, you know, that kind of stuff will almost guarantee an undercount, and that will be bad for whoever's not counted. So if you, if you are looking for work, that's uh, a place to look is working for the census. Uh, There's stuff that, you know, you don't have to be one of those people that's going to go door to door in areas that are normally under, under reporting to get people to answer the questions and stuff. There's other stuff that needs to be done and uh, it's a big job. So when you get your census thing, fill it out. Yes, yes, I will. (laughs) Oh man. And you've got information about... um... The debates and what's yeah. coming up. Yeah. There's a debate this week on February seventh. I think that's the eighth presidential debate for the Democrats. Uh, I don't know offhand who's going to be on stage or not. I'm I'm sure all of the the big contenders will be. Uh um, yeah. Well, sort of. I have it here. It looks oh, you like have it. it's okay. uh, Joe Biden, Bernie
2: Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, Andrew Yang just qualified, I saw. And oh, Tom Steyer, I, it looks as though Michael Bloomberg won't be there. So, yeah. um, so it looks like it's down to seven now. <laughs>
0: so. I'm, I'm very bemused by Bloomberg's entry into this, his late entry. And I, and I, part of me is wondering if there's some sort of rule in, in the campaign finance laws that will I mean, the only reason I'm thinking that he's doing this is so he can make this big war chest to give to whoever the candidate is without having, you know, a personal cap on on what he can give to people. That's I don't.
1: Interesting. That's uh, that's,
2: interesting. He did pledge to do that. Right. So that is what he said. He said he'll support whoever is the nominee.
0: Right. And um, I think that's one way because he can he can put as much money as he wants out of his own personal fortune into his war chest. Into his oh. campaign fund,
1: I think. Oh, that's interesting. I, I just all along I've been thinking it's too bad he didn't just back one of the people who can actually win. You know. Mm -hmm. well yeah but i mean
0: if he's limited to how much he can give as an individual that
1: that makes a lot of sense now
0: you know that's all i have no idea and this is like i i hate to be like just throwing out conspiracy theories out (laughs) here but Mm -hmm. you know i was thinking why the hell is he doing this and saying well maybe that's why yeah i mean that is an interesting one i hadn't
2: i hadn't thought of that as the whole strategy You know, I was a little bit annoyed at the idea of just like everyone, everyone campaigning all along. And then like, here comes like this super rich guy who just like buys his way into the whole thing, like late in the game. Like, I'm I'm not going to do this for five months. I'm just going to start now, you know, kind of thing. But if that's the strategy,
0: I, it's, I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know. I mean, on the other end, on the other side of it, what is it? Didn't our sitting POTUS get his knuckles wrapped for uh his campaign putting overpaying for um a room in the dc trump hotel they paid like a million dollars to rent the room out for the inauguration party and like there were was nobody in there so they're like saying this is bullshit and this is like funneling money illegally into into um a personal business
2: yeah. Yeah. There's a whole lot about the Trump inaugural.
0: You know, there's there's <laughs> but definitely what has this, happening
2: about that. What but what has it, that not,
1: to do? I don't get
0: it. It was just another it's another thing about people using the electoral money in interesting ways, oh. some of which some of which I believe I'm hoping is legal and, and some of which is obviously not. Yeah, because it was uh, the FEC, I think, kind of raised raised a flag about the Trump thing from the from the from the inaugural parties.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of missing money from that inauguration or the unexplained, you know.
0: Yeah. And, and, and also the the all of the money that is owed to people. And so this week we have the New Hampshire primary and you can register at the polling place. And later this month on the 22nd is the Nevada Democratic Caucus. Uh, The early voting is from 215 to 218. And I believe also you can, if you're not registered to vote in Nevada, you can do so at the polling place when you vote. And the only other one this month is the South Carolina primary, Democratic primary that's on February 29th. It's on leap day. And sadly, if you are not registered to vote in that primary, you have already missed your deadline. That was January 30th. So if you're not registered to vote in the primary, just make sure you register so you can vote in the general election, because really that will be the thing that we really need to do we need to everybody has to get out and vote
2: yes yes and get other people to get out to vote and help people get to vote and do all you can for this one.
1: but if you're not registered for the primary you can still register and vote in the final election yes
2: yeah yes exactly yeah Yeah. so oh
1: it's not lost but
2: we got to keep we got to keep moving and keep aware of these dates too that's important
0: Yes. So thank you for bringing that to us. Keep hitting everybody over the head with it until November. So get ready. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And uh, gosh, so another
2: news, impeachment is uh, in the Senate now. And we've heard the arguments from the Democrats and now the Republicans are talking about You know, Trump's side of the case. One of the things that this is, you said January 27th, we're recording this. Just yesterday, I believe, it came out that some of Michael, uh, Michael Bolton, (laughs) 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 not Michael, (laughs) although that would be entertaining. Uh, But some of John Bolton's book came out or leaked Mm -hmm. out or whatever, and he in it talks about how Trump did say he wanted to continue freezing $391 million in security assistance to Ukraine until officials helped investigations into the Democrats, including the Biden. So it was very, very, very explicit. And that's seeming to... Cause ripples because this is someone you know very much in Trump's camp at the time who is talking explicitly about what happened. So you know it's it's evidence added. We don't know if he's going to testify yet or not, but that's definitely out there now. So it's sort of causing uh, causing discussion. We'll see.
0: Okay. Do you think that McConnell will actually let anybody testify or introduce actual evidence? No. You say no. I feel like I'm not sure what I think, but one
2: of the things I've heard is that he's ultimately out for himself. McConnell. McConnell. Yeah. So if he you know, and and that there are more than, you know, there are at least a few, probably more Republicans who really would like to hear more.
0: But are those Republicans, do they have the chutzpah to actually go against their majority leader? Because he seems to have them all pretty much in his pocket.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It seems to me like, at least from what I'm hearing, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, Rick Wilson who is a former, he used to write a lot of like attack ads and stuff for Republicans. He was like a very, he's like a never-Trumper now. He's written, he wrote the book, um, Everything Trump Touches Dies. <laughs> and he, has oh, another, yeah. he has another book out now about him. His take on it was that there's a lot more dissent and unrest than what you see. Like McConnell is really struggling to wrangle everything. You well, we like
1: to think that anyway.
2: We like to think that. And, and I think he has some insider information just because he's been part of that world I guess. Yeah, but it's not showing up in in, in any of the votes. I know. So. I'm not I'm not arguing that this is going to happen. Okay. What I'm what I'm saying <laughs> is that there's there is the thinking that if McConnell at some point thinks that it's this is going to be hurting him personally, like if you know, it's going to make him look bad and make his re-election impossible or whatever, he might turn on Trump because ultimately his political career is more important than anything else to him. So I don't know. And that was his, that was his, that was Rick Wilson's cynical take on it. But I do. you know, I I mean, it's, it's heartening to know that they're not as
0: lockstep as it, it looks, you know, so that there is some. Somebody is going to have to change their vote for me to actually believe that. Yeah, I know you know, because it doesn't matter what they say in the hallway, if they're just going to vote whatever he tells them to. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But I I guess I
2: have heard some things that there could be, there could be a few people that will vote their actual conscience. Um, That would be
0: nice. That would. We only need four, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But who knows? But you know, I I mean, one of the things that I'm happy about is that the more that comes out, the more people will, like all of us, will really see what's happening. If they do vote in lockstep, like the amount of evidence.
0: It's going to also, yeah, I know. It keeps coming, coming. It will also depend on the eight months of distraction and other horrors happening between now and, and election day about how people are going to feel, you know, the population.
2: So that's why our work is cut out for us. Right. oh uh, Yeah. That's why we have blanket forts sometimes too. All right. So what else we got to talk about? (laughs) What else (laughs) do we have to talk about? Well, uh, I want to say RIP to Kobe Bryant, which was um, a shock to a lot of people. Yesterday, uh, January 26th, he passed away in a helicopter accident along with his daughter and seven other people.
0: Yeah. Like a whole other family of basketball players, like a coach yeah. and a couple of girls who play. And yeah. Yeah. And, you
2: know, I my relationship with basketball is that I I like how it sounds. So sometimes I'll put it on TV and just ignore it. But just have it as like a background sound. Just
1: like here dribbling, huh? Something. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: It's a weird thing. I don't know. But I do, you know, I, I was really witnessing people online and friends who who I'm close to feeling really just beside themselves in shock. And it's um it's akin to me to like uh, you know, I mean, a rock star death of someone who meant the world to me, kind of thing. I mean, that's what it seems to have yeah. felt like for a lot of people and um I'm just really feeling that for the families and, and, and friends and fans who are, who are hurting right now.
1: Something that happens so quickly like that is always shocking. Yeah, exactly.
2: You know? So I just wanted to say that. Okay. And uh, it is in bulk time. We've just passed in bulk. Yes. Um, Yes. So I just wanted to give that some shout out. And if, anybody we 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 don't have anything to talk about that
0: specifically but um well it's my favorite holiday of the the pagan holidays so why why is it your favorite because that's when you notice that it's getting lighter in the morning Mm -hmm. you really you're actually you're noticing that that the um the days are getting longer it's it's obvious by that time yeah i've started to notice it uh, like at the end of the day that makes me
2: yeah really hopeful and uh you know, I'm seeing things start to grow a little bit, which is nice, but then I think, oh, pretty soon I'm going to be mowing things and chopping things <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that's okay. that's okay. But it is my it, I wouldn't say it's my favorite pagan holiday, but I really like the goddess Bridget and uh, she is goddess of healers and poets myth's childbirth and inspiration and fire and the hearth and also warfare. So she's got a lot of she's a lot of lot going on. But mm. um, I really... Typical redhead.
1: <laughs> mm.
2: <laughs> yeah. But I do... Um, I don't know. I kind of have an inner resonance.
1: Is this goodness. also called Candlemas? Yes.
0: That's the Christian, uh,
1: Christianization yeah. of it. Didn't we at one time make a bunch of candles at your house, Wendy? Yes, we did. That's I what I enjoyed. I have a
0: few. You have, a, uh, you have that poly Living Conference thing happening this week
2: yes poly living is happening this week on february 7th to 9th that is a really great conference in philadelphia it happens at NBC suites by the airport and um kevin patterson is the keynote this time i'm very very happy about that um we interviewed him and alana Fallon about their superhero novel series yes and uh kevin he's just um He's just a powerhouse of poly activism and, and visibility right now. I'm really excited about that. And it's got, you know, so the conference itself has, it's like Friday night is keynote and sort of a hangout meeting, dance time and that kind of thing. And then it's got like a couple of days of really, really great workshops on communication and yeah, all kinds of relationship type stuff and, and you know, socializing. It's really, it's good. It's the 15th year. This is wow. Cool. Yeah, I will be there and uh, it'll be great. If anyone is poly or poly curious or just wants to learn, it's a good thing to go to.
0: Cool. And I think that is all the news we can handle today. Hi, Wendy here, inviting you to join us on Patreon, where we publish an extended segment every month. Archived segments include an intimate look at our sexual selves, work-life balance and SEO, and in February, an extended Geekscape segment about Star Trek Picard on CBS All Access. We have tiers for every budget. Find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash leftscape. Thank you.
2: Hey, I'm Julissa Johnson from Mueller, She Wrote, and The Racial Maddow Show, and you're listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation.
1: Hi, so this is Mary, and I'm interviewing... Maria Lodge today and I have to say up front that Maria Lodge is also my niece. I've known her for all of her life and most of my life and she's always been an impressive individual to me and I thought she would be very good to talk to because she's in the medical field. She's been in the medical field and she has a lot of experience in a lot of different things and um, I wanted to talk, first of all, the reason that I was impressed with you was when you were in high school, I remember the time that you were working with the uh, first aid squad and that there was this one night that you saved somebody's life and you were just sitting there eating pizza and saying, oh, yeah, I saved somebody's life. Yeah, sure. (laughs) And I was just so impressed with you. Uh, How did you end up being on the first aid squad when you were in high school?
3: So when I was in high school, we had a club um, at the high school. It was actually a branch of the Boy Scouts, um, referred to as Medical Explorers Club. And um, I had joined that club to help me get interested in doing something in the medical field, because that's what I knew that I wanted to do, something in the medical field. And they I started with, they brought us to the local first aid squad to take a first aid class, and then they gave us a CPR class. And then they said, well, since you passed those two classes, you might as well join the emergency squad as a junior member. So I was like, OK, cool, I'll, I'll do that. And um, I ended up being active with the emergency squad for about 25 years after that, um, volunteering while I was in college. And then even after I when started my first job and started having kids, I still continued to volunteer on a regular basis um, through the emergency squad. It was a really um, worthwhile experience being able to help people.
1: That's cool.
3: Yeah, that's cool.
1: So you did that in high school, but
3: you knew when you were in high school that you
1: wanted to do something with
3: medicine. Where did you think that uh, idea came into your mind? So when I was in high school, um, my mother had had um, an injury when she was a teenager and had some nerve damage in her neck and that affected her arm, especially her hand. And she had a surgery um, at the time. It was the, probably the most renowned um, hand surgeon who has probably taught every hand surgeon in the area, Dr. Hunter in Philadelphia he um, did my mom's surgery, and she had, she had to go for therapy, but it was over in Philly, and she had a lot of home exercises she had to do. So I was helping her with those and decided to, that I wanted to go, to go into physical therapy. Yeah. The funny thing is I've never done hand therapy. <laughs> that was my, my extent of doing hand therapy was with my mom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So you
1: started out by by on the job doing that. Um, what's
3: involved with uh, the education for someone who wants to become a physical therapist? Um, at this point, it wasn't when I went to PT school, but at this point, physical therapy is a doctor of physical therapy program. Mm-hmm. So it's not a PhD, but a um, more of a clinical doctor mm-hmm. program, more similar to the a doctor of podiatric medicine or a doctor of veterinary medicine. Mm-hmm. But you had to, when you did it, you had to study medicine. Yeah, When I I did it, um, it was a bachelor's degree in in physical therapy. And we did take a lot of classes, similar classes, that the um, med school students would take. Mm -hmm. Then then was there a master's part to it, too? Did it take more than four years or just four years? Shortly after I graduated, they did elevate it to a master's degree as the entry-level requirement. But people who already were practicing were grandfathered in. Mm -hmm. And then, once again, the same thing with the DPT degree. And I remember also
1: being impressed when you, I found out that there was a hospital that was helping to pay some of your tuition if you were under contract of work at that hospital.
3: Yeah, when I was um, going to the University of Scranton, I had got a scholarship from Allied Services, um, which is a rehab hospital up in mm-hmm. Scranton, that they gave me money towards my senior year um, in, in return for working for them for a period of time afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I remember too also being impressed when you were first working. You were
1: telling me that you were working with people who were paraplegics or people who were um had neck injuries and um and really did not have much mobility and I thought that was kind of sad, and I said, "You know, doesn't it depress you and she said, "Well, if I can help them doesn't that isn't that good and I just loved
3: that attitude. Yeah, I've worked with um, some really um, involved clients over the years um, as far as the physical, um, people with physical disabilities. Um, I think the most um, intense was a period of time for several years that I worked um, with head injury patients, Mm -hmm. and some of them had some serious, um, in addition to brain injuries, they had serious physical um, injuries as well. A lot of them were from car accidents, some motorcycle accidents. So, yeah, they were very, very involved. Mm
1: -hmm. And then um, your career as a physical therapist moved into rehab, working in rehab more
3: and with older people? Well, so after working with the, um, the place where I was working with the head injury patients, that was in a sub, what they were calling, it was new at the time, um, terminology of subacute rehab. So this is going back a long time ago, 25 years ago or more. Um, it was rehab units that were in um, nurse in a subacute nursing in a nursing home, but it was a separate unit. So I kind of stayed in that um, venue um, for the a good part of my career after that, um, being a physical therapist in these subacute rehab facilities, which would mean come from the hospital, do rehab there, and then and then be discharged home. Um, Some of the people may have, if they were older, needed nursing home care after that or to go to an assisted living or other, um, require more help at home. But a lot of people did um, return back to home after. Mm -hmm. And I stayed in um, several different positions while my children were younger, working part-time in that type of setting, and then eventually being a rehab director for um, 17 years at a skilled nursing and rehab center.
1: Mm -hmm. So then your your uh, career, though, seems to have changed and taken some other directions. Can you tell me how that
3: came about? So during the time that I was working as a rehab director, I've always liked to stay physically active myself. Um, I had started taking um, yoga classes and became very interested in yoga and how that type of movement and con- um, having the movement being linked with the breath and intention, how that could be used in a therapeutic setting as well as for um, exercise or for um for your own mood enhancement. Mm. So, um, I was using, using beginning to use what I was learning in on the mat in yoga classes in the clinic with my, with my, um, clients. And I was, um, planning on taking, doing a yoga teacher training it was kind of in my her, on my horizon, mm-hmm. and very suddenly, where I had worked for seventeen years, decided not to have a rehab unit anymore. Mm-hmm. So that kind of that door closing um, opened the door to me to be able to um, go to an intensive yoga teacher training mm-hmm. um, and um, start teaching yoga. It just seemed to me too that.
1: You you were good at working with people, and and that job you, because you were running the department, you had to do a lot of administrative stuff, didn't you? And, and that's not really your thing, is it? Oh uh, no,
3: <laughs> but um, have, being the director there was a was a really good experience as far as being able to work with some amazing um, clinicians, and luckily it was a small enough unit that although I. Um, did a lot of administrative um, and administrative work and bookkeeping work and that type of thing. I still had the opportunity to have hands-on with clients, and often the most challenging were the ones were the ones that I took for myself um, rather than um, my. You know, if my if my therapists that were working for me were having problems with a certain client, then they were the ones that I usually would choose to work with. So you ended up with the toughest cases. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So So conflicted. (laughs) Yeah.
3: So when you were
1: studying yoga, how do you feel that your background in medicine kind of affected how you approached and learned the yoga?
3: Yeah. So um, it actually was very beneficial as far as um, being able to safely teach yoga postures because I already knew what... Good alignment was going to be. I already knew I already had the anatomy background. Um, I did my yoga teacher training in Costa Rica and the physical therapist who taught our anatomy at yoga teacher training um, spoke Spanish mostly. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually ended up Teach, helping her teach the rest of the mm-hmm. the group the the anatomy portion of mm-hmm. our um, of our teacher training, so that mm-hmm. that was interesting. I do feel as far as um, my physical therapy background, um, I think it really helps uh, for me to be able to keep people safe while they 're practicing yoga mm-hmm. when they come to my class i 'm always watching to make sure they don 't do something that's unsafe Mm -hmm. you know we don't yoga is a practice it's not a perfect so Mm -hmm. there's no um there's no nothing said that everybody has to look exactly the same when they're practicing a yoga asana Mm -hmm. the poses but they do we do want them to be safe and that's really my my goal when somebody comes to my class is to keep them safe and to help them to do the best that their body and mind are going to allow them to do at the time. Well, speaking as
1: someone who has been injured in yoga classes, I can really appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I've been injured in, in various movement classes, too. I just, I'm a punish, I, I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. <laughs> um so then you approached yoga, and then you got into Reiki, too, which I think was really cool. I was so amazed when I heard that you were into Reiki, because I was into Reiki myself for years and and haven't done it in a while. But I just
3: thought, how did, how did that happen, that you got into Reiki? So uh, two years ago, after I um, became a yoga teacher, I started my own business. It's called Asana Wellness Physical Therapy. And my goal with my business is to combine all my yoga, and it was initially was my yoga with um, physical therapy to help people to um, recover from injury and to keep themselves from being injured to stay Mm -hmm. safe. Um, So with that, I started to, I learned um, from some of the yoga teachers that I was Studying with, I learned about Reiki. Actually, I had my first Reiki attunement and learned about Reiki when I did my teacher training um, t- um, two years ago, and then have continued to study that with a woman that is an, actually an occupational therapist. So it was um, she was teaching the Reiki from the um, from the idea of using it in healthcare. So I did um, my level one and level two training with her, and I just recently did my um, Reiki master training with a very world-renowned teacher. Um, mm-hmm. Her name is Libby Barnett. I did training with her up at the Kripula Institute. Mm-hmm.
1: That's up in Massachusetts, right? Yeah. yeah
3: okay, I know that place. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
1: So do you ever find that you come across people who, who uh, like, turn
3: their nose up
1: at this? these things that you're you're studying now?
3: Well, Reiki, I think sometimes people just don't understand that um, we have this universal life force, this energy around us, and that it can be um, brought through one person to another for healing. And um, I think that once people experience it, they get a little bit more of an understanding. And once it's explained that it's not kind of some woohoo thing, that Mm -hmm. it's um, things that people have heard and felt in the past, maybe it puts an explanation to that. And, you know, there's all different um, ways of saying universal energy. And in in a um, in different cultures, in in the yoga community, we refer to prana mm-hmm. as being the breath, which is not just not just air moving, mm-hmm. where it's a life giving force. In um, tai chi, the chi is mm-hmm. the is that same type of force. And in a, in a Christian sense, it could even be the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. So
1: uh, I just like the how, the way you relate it to a lot of different things. If somebody was interested in this, what would you recommend that they do first?
3: Um, interested in um, oh, receiving in, treatment? Or? Yeah,
1: well, interested in receiving treatment or, or in yoga, too.
3: I think that the best way as far as yoga... Or finding um, a Reiki practitioner is to find somebody a, a studio um, where that is being offered, and talk to the person and say whether what you are going to what you're looking for matches up with what they offer at the studios mm-hmm. so a lot of yoga, some yoga studios are really more interested in a very much of a fitness based yoga hot sweaty jumping around from one movement to the other, mm-hmm. and some are, inter, are have a variety including practices that such as what I like to teach is a more slow, mindful yoga that helps to change your, um, helps to build your nervous system and your resistance and helps to integrate both the movement, the breath, and bringing some awareness to what's going on mentally as well, and emotionally and spiritually. Cool. That's really cool. Where is it that you practice? So my st- I have a home studio in Delran, New Jersey, where I offer um, private yoga lessons, Reiki. I also um, am certified in Thai massage, which is a style of massage that is done fully clothed on a large mat on the floor, kind of moving into yoga positions um, as what, while the massage is taking place. And I incorporate Reiki in with that. I also teach at a studio in Riverton, New Jersey, that is called Yoga Tree. I like that. Well, is there anything else that uh, we don't know about this that we need to know? I think that um, what I would like to say to people about yoga is so many people will say to me, oh, I can't do yoga. I'm not flexible enough or I'm not fit enough. And that's why you need to do it. Mm. because and really if you can sit in a chair and breathe then you can do yoga
1: (laughs) cool cool thanks very much maria thanks so much for for doing this
2: Hey, this is Robin Renee here. One of my New Year's resolutions was to get back out on the road and play some music. If you'd like to see me in your city, please get in touch. Is there a listening room, university concert series, club, event, or yoga studio near you that would like what I do? Let me know. If you or a friend would be into hosting a house concert, get in touch and let's make it happen. I'm doing it indie style, so your help and input really matters. You can contact me and check out my music at RobinRenee.com. Thank you so much. I look forward to hearing from you, and I'm excited to see you in 2020.
0: Next week on The Leftscape, we uh, are going to be talking about what the hell was I saying about it?
1: Oh, okay. Intersectional feminism. Take
0: two. Take two. Yeah, it's intersectional feminism. Yes. Through the lens of Shira. ra uh,
2: <laughs> Sounds so pretentious. I know. <laughs> I love That's it. That's why you have to say it. I now. know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <little. clears throat>
0: Next week on The Leftscape, the three of us will discuss... <laughs> the three of us will. I'm keeping this take. All right, try it again. That was an outtake from the first time we talked about She Ra. Next week, I interview Wiccan author Susan Kagan and we revisit She Ra now in its fourth season. Tune in.
2: I've been thinking a lot about how wellness is getting a bad name (laughs) in the media and and elsewhere. And it just feels really important to me to think about when that is something that's positive, like, well, you know, wellness, like preventative healing methods or just like general good health type things. And when it's something that's sinister and not healthy, that's maybe wellness sinister. How is that? Well, you know, something that's a fraud or something
0: that's not. You mean mean, woo? You know, between science and woo, Mm -hmm. is that kind of
1: yeah, science or (laughs) or do you mean people taking wellness and take using it to sell things? Well,
2: that too, especially that. I think that's one of the things that that's the
0: dark side of wellness that you're talking about or that you're the evil well, evil wellness. Evil wellness. <laughs> I,
2: I mean, no, what I mean is that I think sometimes people use the term wellness and they are applying it to things that aren't actually healthy for you. It could be damaging. Okay. You know, so how, I think it's important to discern those things. And I'm a little bit frustrated that I think wellness in general is a good thing. And it's always represented something that was positive to me. Like I, I like herbal remedies and just sort of doing things natural. Ways that can be positive and healthy. But there is sort of that flip side of it that I think people can go into practices that are not good for them, you know, like or, quackery. Yeah, like quackery. I mean, I think the whole thing, I think Gwyneth Paltrow is one of the big <laughs> reasons
0: that people are Goof. giving, are talking about wellness as, as a bad thing these days. I, I also just noticed on Netflix, she's got a freaking series now. Oh, um, okay which really concerns me. It's uh. like goop the TV show or something like that. I, I don't even know. I just saw the ad and going, Oh my God, I really do not want to watch even two seconds of this. Don't yeah. even show me the, the animated ad for this stupid thing. Yeah. I don't know how to block that on. <laughs>
3: you don't even want
2: to <laughs> see Like, I really, I don't. It's because. Well, I'm curious because I've never, I mean, until she came out with the candle that smells like her vagina, like I really <laughs> didn't know a lot about about what this was. It's, I don't know. It seems to me like expensive and useless mostly, but I don't know if anything of it, of it is harmful. I'm not sure.
0: Well, the jade egg in, in the vagina, I think is harmful, actually. Mm. I think that's actually harmful to your, your vaginal ecosystem. Hmm. Because yeah. I read something about that. I mean, you really don't want to be putting any kind of mineral egg up in there in any case, other, you know, even besides the the, the toxic shock possibilities. Well, I don't think you'd keep it that long, would you?
2: <laughs> anyway, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it, but I'm just curious. But no, so, yeah, I'm, so that was the point that, you know, I, I'm I'm hoping that that wellness doesn't become like an overall bad thing and that people can learn discernment and learn how to decide what's what's actually healthy and what's just bullshit, I guess. So
0: how do you discern whether something's healthy and or bullshit? My way of thinking about it is that
2: first of all, I don't have any aversion to actual medicine. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's there's a reason for them for 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 that and if i'm really sick like i'm gonna go get an antibiotic if i need one i don't want to overdo it i think that's one thing i also think about that some people run to a doctor for every little thing and i feel like i like to give my body a chance to heal and take care of itself but if you have an infection you need to deal
1: with it you know things like that i think i think the problem too is coming from or part of the problem that you're talking about, it's coming from the anti vaxxers uh, uh, people like that who are so anti, actual medicine. That is the huge problem right now. Yeah, that so, really upsets me.
0: My question was really more about: Do you go and research these things, or do you just go on your gut, or, or you know, what is what is your process for determining what if a thing is is that's being advertised to you as a wellness product or a remedy for something?
2: Yeah, I think research is important. You know, I mean, some things that seem relatively harmless, Obvious. I think it's, well, harmless. Like if uh, if it's like if someone says, you know, drinking chamomile tea will help you sleep. I don't think there's anything wrong with drinking some chamomile tea and seeing how you feel, <laughs> you know, because I don't yeah. I get the sense that there's anything it doesn't have strychnine in it, right? Yeah, there's nothing like extreme about it. There's not, you know, you're not taking an inordinate, an inordinate amount of something. Mm-hmm. Which you know, there was the one guy who drank the took the colloidal silver. How do you pronounce that? Colloidal, colloidal silver, yeah. and he basically turned blue. You know, <laughs> because he just is consumed like so much of it. Like that's insane. You know, like that's a thing where I might want to, because I know it has some like antibacterial properties and things like that. Like, I would want to know a little bit about some a product like that before I use yeah, it. So I would not only read the the uh, health magazine that you get at the health food store about what the, it says it does, but maybe do a little bit of research and see. You know, if, if doctors say that they just think it's ineffective, I might try it. But if they say, like, this could really harm you, I might not try it, you know? <laughs> I mean, there's things like that. So I, I definitely... Trust the uh, medical community, and I also know that there there are a lot of things that can be helpful that are not necessarily harmful to people. That do, it's worth trying. You know, yeah. I enjoy I enjoy trying different supplements and and definitely like herbs and how you know learning uh, things about diet. And how that makes me feel like what I eat and what I consume. I think that Mm -hmm. makes a difference.
1: One thing I'm going to throw in there too, though, is that when you're looking at the material that a product is, has um, published, that you look at this, where are their sources and see if they're qualified sources or not. And also look at the sources and see, do these sources have something to gain by saying this? Yes. Oh, yeah. Any I mean, advertising is, you know, I take with now, a lot of people don't know they do that, though.
0: But That's i get really TV. dubious. I, I when I especially if I see somebody posting an article or something on Facebook and it's making a health claim or saying, you know, eat this or don't eat that or, or whatever. And, and, and it's the website that they're quoting is something that has a more touchy feely web name. -hmm. Rather than a more sciencey web name, I get, I kind of not trust it. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've been to a, some of those sites like Feel Better Now or or Healthy Light Living or Light and Energy Living and Loving dot e. com or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like energy living and loving.com. yeah, you yeah. might not
2: think that's the most scientific. Yeah.
0: You know, and you go there and 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 you actually look through their website and you realize like, oh, they're just selling these products. And they may or may not have any real legitimate scientific backing of any of the claims that they're making. and they or they make vague enough claims that it won't cause the FDA to act and smack them down. because mm-hmm. I know there's like people who have been arrested or they had to to get rid of their product because they were saying it was it would do something, and it, they can't they're not supposed to say that, especially like with supplements. I subscribe to a magazine. Called Nutrition Action. Actually, I had a couple of different ones. I think I think it's the current one. It's it's published by CSPI, which is Center for something. I, I don't know. They do they do research and they do advocacy. Uh, they are responsible for a lot of the nutritional labels that are on foods now because they've been mm-hmm. they've been fighting a lot of this stuff for decades. You know, to get this stuff on there, and their monthly newsletter. Is a summary of recent research that's been published in the scientific community relating to nutrition and uh, health. So I take what they say pretty seriously because they'll, you know, they a lot of times, you know, they'll have an article like, "Is Ginkgo Biloba actually going to help your memory?" And then they talk about all of the. Studies that have been done uh, that haven't yielded any conclusive results.
1: This sounds you. like a very interesting site. What was it called again? It's
0: it's a it's a physical thing I get in the mail,
1: oh. <laughs> but they do have a website. It's I think it's <laughs>
0: called Nutrition Action, and, and I don't they have, have
1: nothing to gain. No,
0: they they don't, and they don't That's take important. advertising. It's and like Consumer have, Reports. Yeah, but it's about food and nutrition, and they and yeah. they they've been. Well, when you, uh, when you find our web flags about what the, you know, about the, the uh, cutbacks in the FDA.
1: Yeah, that was the other thing I was just about to say, is that uh, Trump is eliminating so many offices that they're the people who used to check on things are. are yeah, gone. I know. Mm-hmm. Well, listen to when when you find that URL, we'll put it on our website. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think there's,
2: um, as I said, I think there's a place for just en- enjoying trying things that may or may not be helpful, but that feel mm-hmm. that make you feel good. You know, I, I'm not automatically mistrustful of something like, for example, like a lot of people like to drink golden milk. I don't even and know. What is that? What is it? It's a it's using turmeric. It's a, it's basically a milk. You could use regular milk. You could use soy milk or and, and t- any tumerc- any type of yeah. And turmeric and a sweetener and usually a little, just a touch of oil, you know, and it's based from like an Ayurvedic kind of a formula.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, some people say that it, you know, it's, it's an energetic, like depending on your particular energy, you can use different types of, you can do different combinations of it, you know, and I don't necessarily have any particular belief in the specifics of any of that you know it's sort of like the humors or whatever you know (laughs) deciding what your your type is or something but I find that it's enjoyable you know and it's I don't think it's harmful and I think if it's you know taken in a sort of peaceful state it's a it's it's a good thing you know and then yeah, I, don't, I, I think that's fine, you know. And um, what was that my point? Oh, like turmeric in general. Like people say that it it's anti-inflammatory, but that just from your food, you may not get enough of it to be effective in a major way. Um, mm. So there's, you know, there are debates about that. But that that's the thing that you know, if it makes you feel good, why not do that? Why not? Okay, I, don't I just I, don't see I also that as a problem.
0: I also want to point out, and this was something that that came up in my newsletter. Is that the supplement industry is not regulated? Mm-hmm. So right then and there, that's kind of a red flag for me personally because I trust nobody, uh, mm-hmm. basically. And and I had read something where, and this was specifically with turmeric, uh, mm-hmm. or turmeric, and and it had to do with the demand for it is so high. There's people in the regions where it's being grown, where they're shipping out product that's not really that good or they're they're uh fill, they're Inferior cutting it your with
1: tumeric. they
0: cut it with something that makes uh. it actually dangerous they found some of that in and 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 it's like and then they and then they do this thing where they send out a bunch of supplements to a lab to see if the ingredients that are on the label are actually in there and they're not and they never tell you which brands it is and no. that always pisses me off no. <laughs> so, so it's that's like, disturbing I, so you do feel like it's in the
2: turmeric even in the like an Indian grocery would be affected by this
0: I yeah I don't know it depends mm. on where it's coming from I I do remember that that uh back in the the days where I was thinking about actually becoming a ginseng farmer when I found out how much it was worth per pound um and that American ginseng is prized in Asia like miles above the Asian in, in ginseng and you cannot find American in, ginseng in america because they ship it all overseas oh because everybody because it i think you can well i was looking at this 20 something years ago they were getting like 150 dollars a pound for this stuff Mm. it was like drugs It, Mm. (laughs) it was worth like you know a good ginseng farm is it's like growing you know some kind of illegal substance almost but it's also you know, you can't harvest it for at least two years. And, and it, it's not easy to grow, which is, I guess, why it's expensive. But mm-hmm. and also that, that there were people getting arrested for illegally harvesting wild ginseng uh, on, like, state and federal property in the woods. You know, they find
1: it and dig it up. Mm-hmm. And they're not well, supposed to do that. <laughs> we've been talking a lot about supplements. What about things like crystals? How do you feel about those? I think they're
0: pretty. Uh,
1: okay. What do you feel about um <laughs> uh essential oils? Uh like what? Uh, I don't know.
0: What do you do with them? I you know.
1: I can't. I don't do anything with them.
0: So I don't know what you would do with essential oils.
1: I guess you got to get into it. Huh? I think they can affect your mood. Could I guess be... I'm, what I'm saying is aromatherapy. That's yeah. Aromatherapy. Oh.
0: Well, yeah, I think that ac- I've experienced results from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, like lavender is relaxing. I mean, it, no, it, it's there's... not. It's well, not for you. <laughs> not for you.
1: <laughs> I'm allergic
2: to lavender, but uh, but for most people, it's relaxing.
1: Yeah. yeah, I found that basil oil was very good for when I was studying. When I was going through grad school, I kept basil oil, and that seemed to help me a lot. And what do you do? You rub it on yourself? Do you smell? No, I put wood? it on a handkerchief, and I would oh sniff okay sniff it from time to time.
2: Yeah, I like putting some oils. Like you can just simmer oils in, in water or something on a pot, mm-hmm. and just make your kitchen and your house smell nice. You know, that's definitely oh. like a fall winter thing to do. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay, you know, and I think the olfactory system is really powerful. So, like a scent can help you can shift the mood or change your room space. Well, there's also,
0: there's also, um, I don't like calling it the placebo effect, but it's that, you know, if you, you're doing research or you're looking it up and say, oh, lavender, I'm going to use lavender again. I'm sorry for your allergy (laughs) thing. Uh, And it's supposed, you know, lavender is relaxing. So you have that in your head.
1: Because somebody told you it was so.
0: Right. And so it's going, so your brain is going to, when it when it has, you've associated that smell with that mental state and you can then re-trigger that mental state with that odor. I mean, that's something you can teach yourself to do. So mm. that, you know, there may not be an actual, you know, physical, uh, chemist, chemical event that happens in your body. It's just that your brain is, you, you have taught yourself like, okay, when I smell this smell, I'm going to then feel this way. Mm. Because you can totally train yourself to do that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that might be true. That might be true.
0: And certainly that's true of memory,
2: like certain smells that remind you of home oh, yeah. or that kind of thing.
0: Oh God, yeah. yeah. Like there's that one, that one smell that is like it was a finger paint when I was like a toddler. Mm-hmm. And if I smell that smell, I'm like transported right back there. It's like to
1: kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm.
0: And it's a very specific, it's almost, it's not like, it's something they put in that finger paint stuff that just had this smell to it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't, I can't describe it. I have to, if I smell it, I say, oh, that's it. (laughs) So I don't know. And then you could smell it and say, oh, well, it's blah, blah, blah. And you'll know what it is. And I don't know what it is. So, so, you know, I
2: don't know that, you know, I think that there are some definite answers when it comes to alternative health methods like you know, I think you need to get your vaccinations and don't be stupid. <laughs> get, mm-hmm. Make sure your kids are vaccinated. <laughs> but you know, if if there are teas that you like or if you like to do, take a bath in in, you know, some kind of sea salt or something like that, like I think that's fine. And I think it can be it can be a healing ritual. Those yeah. kinds of things.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and those are some of the things I like to do. In my own relaxation world, you know,
1: (laughs) or in your blanket fort,
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: I also have to throw this one little fact out to our listeners. And this is because I have I have an acquaintance that works at a Home Depot in the country, someplace, and um, the the face masks that you get at Home Depot are not going to keep coronavirus out of your face. They're okay, selling like, yeah. I mean, they're 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 selling out of them at Home Depot, and people are freaking out because they can't find them. It's like, no, you have to go to the drugstore and get actual surgical masks, and that might keep the virus out of your face. But the dust masks they sell at the hardware store are not that's not it good enough. So <laughs> leave your hardware people alone. Go to the drugstore. Go to the hospital and get some surgical masks if you have to protect your face from coronavirus. Mm. (laughs) okay (laughs) thank you for that PSA (laughs) I got a flu shot
2: I didn't get mine I'm totally late with getting them but I have gotten them in the last couple years though I try to keep up with that